Thank you for joining the Informed Data Podcast. My name is Kelly Wiest. I'm the Associate Director of Marketing here at Informed Data. I'm joined by Vince Pascarella, our Chief Legal Officer, Vince Brout, our Executive Vice President, and Wade Hudson, our Director of Operations. I've joined everyone here today to talk about the exciting news coming out of Cook County, Illinois, and the background screening industry. Thank you for joining me today, everyone. Hey, good morning, Kelly. Good morning. Good morning, Kelly. Thanks for having us. Yeah. As we know, when it comes to Cook County um, and background screening, there's been all sorts of headaches coming out of there for years. Wade, if you wouldn't mind, as Director of Operations, describing some of the issues we've been seeing over the years coming out of Cook and why that is. Sure. So, Cook County, obviously one of the major markets in the United States, um, and so it's a market that we really want to do well in. There's a lot of revenue opportunities there, but unfortunately, Cook has not made it easy on us. Uh, historically, there was 28 terminals, uh, PATs spread across the city at eight different court locations. Um, keep in mind that the entire industry is fighting over access over these 28 terminals. At these terminals, it is standing room only, so there's no there's no chairs. So imagine you as a researcher, you do, you're doing thousands of background checks a day. You can't you can't sit down. You got to stand there all day and and write out your forms all day long. Uh, not only that, you've got to sign in uh, for some of these court locations. You've got to make an appointment. You've got to get in line, sign in. You go to the terminal. You do your searches. And lo and behold, you've got a line of people waiting to access the terminals behind you. Well, that means you got to give up your seat and you've got to share your access with someone else. So not only are we having to share access with our own team, but we're having to share access with our competitors. We're having to share uh, access with our partners and we're having to share access with the general public. And so uh, it becomes harder and harder, especially as volume increases for our industry. It becomes harder and harder to keep up with that kind of demand. So that's what uh, public access looked like prior to COVID. And then the pandemic hit and COVID came and we saw significant amount of court closures. Uh, I think we saw some closures for a couple months uh, early on in the pandemic. Um, we, uh, from an employee standpoint, we had employees leaving. Um, and so that really put us in a bind. We couldn't access the, the court terminals and then we didn't have the staffing to keep up with demand. Once the terminals and the, and the courts reopened, we found that uh, no longer did we have 28 terminals. Some of those terminals went away, right? So uh, in some comparison where there were four terminals previously, that went down to one terminal. Um, so that really just hampered access uh, as, as COVID really hit the city hard. On top of that, you started to see some additional uh, limitations at the courts. You started to see some uh, clerks doing by appointment only uh, some of the courthouses were limited in terms of the capacity of, of people they would allow into the courts due to the, the social distancing. Um, and, you know, depending on the, the company, depending on the uh, provider, depending on their compensation structure, we really started to get into a, uh, uh, a very difficult situation at the courts where uh, providers were nearly fighting. Uh, at, at, at the terminals where 
you know, some providers are being paid on orders completed where others are not. So you better believe those people that are getting paid based on the orders they're completing, they want access and they will get access. And so we're trying to uh, figure out how to manage those relationships, not only with the uh, our other providers, but with the court clerks. We're trying to work with them and we're trying to make sure that not only do we get access, but everyone else gets a fair amount of access. And, and it's truly been a, a, a problem. Uh, recently, we, we met with some of our larger clients in Chicago. They got to see firsthand some of the challenges in the courts. They got to see the lines. They got to see the fights. They got to see, you know, the sign-in sheets. They got to see it all. And uh, I think it was an eye-opening experience for them. And I really think it helped them understand some of the challenges that we're up against. And um, with that experience, it, it really allowed us to meet with some of the clerks and speak to some of these challenges and let them know that, you know, the industry is feeling a lot of pain right now. And that ultimately means the city of Chicago and the, and the county of Cook is feeling a lot of pain because if we can't do our job, we can't put people in Chicago into their into the job that they're applying for. Uh, we can't put them into the apartment that they're trying to get. So um, we tried to paint that picture for the clerks. And, uh, you know, I think overall it, it, it did help us in our fight to get some additional capacity. So Vince um, Pascarella, can you tell us a little bit more about this news and how how the team at Informed Data has helped work to alleviate some of the issues Wade was sort of describing for us? Yeah, absolutely. We uh, we had some past success with similar problems for those of you uh, who recall in Virginia. There it was related more to data birth redaction than it was actual physical access to the data. Um, but we had uh, a few years ago engaged with a local lobbyist that was recommended to us by a local uh, circuit court judge here in Virginia, walked down a long road with a lobbyist, but we were eventually able to successfully get a process in place that allowed our industry to have access to full dates of birth in Virginia. You know, based on that success, we, we felt like we could have similar success solving the problem. You know, obviously a slightly different issue in Cook County. But we thought, you know, you know, always, always go local, right? When you can, right? We we felt we could have the same, you know, very similar success in Cook County by engaging with local lobbyists. So I first reached out to the lobbyists we had used uh, in Virginia. Uh, there was a national law firm that does a lot of lobbying at the state level. Approached them to see if they had uh, any contacts uh, or any folks working for them on the ground in Chicago. They did not, um, and they had a couple of recommendations who I, I began to vet. Um, and then we also reached out to other advocates in the industry, specifically Consumer Data Industry Association or CDIA, to see if they had uh, you know any recommendations for lobbyists as well. I also did some research on my own through my uh, my network of you know attorneys uh, in in and around the Chicago uh, market. We, uh, you know, vetted several, uh, finally selected a lobbyist we thought would uh, be the most likely to have success in the short term, because obviously time was not our friend here. You know, we had backlogs stacking up, you know, our, our clients were hearing it from their clients about um, the delays, uh, you know, that were uh, that were stacking up. We needed, a, you know, a quick, you know, ready solution. So we went uh, hyper local. Uh, hired a uh, Chicago-based lobbying firm who had actually had success 
lobbying the judiciary in uh, Cook County historically for, for other issues and for, for other companies that operate as service providers to the courts. So we knew we were dealing with folks who had, you know, who had access, had experience and had knowledge. Um, we were very impressed uh, with the speed with which they were able to execute the ask. Um, and so we thought, you know, in the short term, you know, certainly Cook is, you know, uh, broken, right? Um, we think we have uh, stopped the bleeding, if you will, put some fingers in the wall of the dam to use another tortured analogy. But the, but the process there still is fundamentally broken. So, you know, there's a, a secondary kind of longer term strategy in place as well. But we felt the, the most immediate effect we could have and the most positive short term effect we could have in the industry was simply to get more terminals in place. So we went in with what we thought was a pretty simple ask. Um, you know, you know, you need more equipment and you need to give the public better access to the terminals that you have. It's to Wade's point, not only post-COVID were there less terminals available than there were pre-terminal uh, or pre-COVID, but the terminals that were in place um, weren't always all functioning at the same time. So you'd have, you know, 20% of the terminals at a single location down at any given time, which made access, you know, even more challenging. So we went with that approach. Uh, the lobbyist was able to identify an advocate within the uh, circuit court clerk's office uh, who they had worked with in the past and had success with. Um, that individual, uh, we had several uh, meetings with uh, online and then obviously our lobbyists locally in person. Uh, and he was really able to drive uh, within the court clerk's office this strategy of simply getting more terminals operationalized throughout the court system. We also had uh, identified a, a lobbyist at the executive level, one of the county commissioners who sits on a, a, a committee that oversees the judiciary, really picked this up as something that he thought was important. You know, it was obviously couched in terms of, you know, the backlog is a backlog of, you know, mostly Chicago residents who are waiting for a job or waiting for an apartment in order to, uh, you know, get their background check completed, you know, you're really serving the residents of, of Cook County. And that seemed to really resonate, particularly with, you know, the county commissioner. That approach was also successful, obviously, in Virginia. Um, at the end of the day, uh, where we are right now is, um, as of the uh, last week, uh, they are working on operationalizing 30 additional terminals at the Daly Center, which is the largest uh, court uh, location in the city of Chicago. And then uh, they've also got approval for and funding for a handful, you know, one, two, three or four additional terminals at the remaining seven satellite locations uh, throughout the city of Chicago. Um, and what the lobbyist is actively working on right now, in fact, just prior to this podcast recording, uh, I was on a call with our lobbyists to talk about, you know, where we're at with our efforts with the satellite offices. So the next step is to get even more terminals uh, out into the satellite location so that, you know, folks aren't having to send, you know, their entire, uh, you know, research team to the daily center, right? They can, they can spread them out throughout the city. Um, and that would also result in, you know, less, less sort of like lines and, you know, issues with respect to, you know, confrontations around access to the terminals in the daily center, right? So, spread them out and, and, and give access to sort of the strategy. So um, we're um, optimistic that we'll continue to have, you know, success in the short term with respect to, you know, sort of physical access, if you will, to the terminals and then, you know, executing another strategy in the background for a longer term.
uh, solution, hopefully as well. And then we, um, you know, once we got the green light from the lobbyists that, um, you know, the terminals were, were on their way, uh, you know, I, I notified our internal operations team led by Wade Hudson. Um, and I think I'll hand this back over to Wade and tell you, you know, what, what we did from there. Yeah, sure. So, uh, you know, as soon as we were notified of the additional ter terminals, we immediately got on a call with our talent management team and started making decisions on how we were going to grow this team so that we could leverage the additional access. Um, we spent a significant amount of time putting a plan together on where we were going to staff these individuals, um, you know, how many people we were going to hire, how quickly we could hire them. Uh, and, uh, you know, candidly, within the period of three to four weeks, we were able to add roughly 20 individuals to our team. Uh, and that was a huge win for us. Um, you know, we've, we've been able to not only eliminate any sort of backlog we've been seeing in Cook County, but now we've gotten to the point where we can start looking out ahead uh, and start helping out our some of our customers that have been struggling here. So um, as we've gotten the additional access, we've staffed up. We've also started working with our partners a lot more. Um, you know, like I mentioned previously, some of the challenge with the limited access was sharing that access with our partners and our competitors. Um, we've had to have some very difficult conversations with them and and um, work together. And, and uh, so far, we've been able to do that, and that's been that's been pretty good, pretty promising. Um, each week, as Vince gets the updates on where we're getting new terminals, we're taking our team members and we're going to the uh, court clerks on the ground and confirming, hey. This is the update we're hearing. Can you confirm that we're actually seeing these uh, PATs being installed in these in these court locations? And uh, so far, everything that Cook County has told us has has come true, which uh, is hard to believe, um, to be quite honest. But you know, we're keeping a close eye on it. We're keeping our finger on the pulse, and as things change, we're making sure that we're making those internal adjustments uh, so that we can stay ahead as best we can. And um, Vince Bro, if you would, thank you, Wade. That's amazing to hear. Um, if you would speak to a little bit, I know this obviously it won't solve all the issues we see in Cook, a place like Cook County because of the volumes, but if you would speak to a little bit of what you see as impact for not only our customers, but the overall industry at large, what this means for the industry and our customers. Yeah, sure. It's pretty easy to follow up with these two guys and all the work that they've done so far. So thank you to you guys and your teams to, to get us to this point. I think for a while, the last year, year and a half, the saying with Cook was, you know, it's only going to get worse before it gets better. And it looks like, and the reason we're putting news out there and doing this podcast is things are actually starting to get better. Um, keyword being starting to. Um, as these terminals become available, as more individuals change up their visitation schedules, like Wade mentioned, as they're able to get more time to simply produce uh, the results from the background checks that our customers order, yeah, things are going to get better. So I, I think what people can see right away in, in the near future is you're going to hopefully, if things continue to go to plan, see a faster time to completion, at least on the front end with those initial clear results. Um, you're going to have more time to do those. Hopefully that also in, in time shortly turns into faster results for records as well. You've got more time at the terminal to get the information, to report it, transcribe it, whatever we need to do. There's still going to be some other limiting factors there. Um, you know, we are not the only people, we are not the only industry or marketplace or users of those terminals. 
Um, there are other individuals in that those courthouses that want access to those as well. So it won't be like, hey, there's X amount more and they're all ours and they're all we got every minute of it. Um, you're still going to have some of those battles between different researchers. You're going to have other attorneys or other people and other officers of the court uh, getting on those terminals as well. Um, we don't know if any of those are going to be reserved specifically for those who are not uh, public record researchers. Not uh, still don't know that for sure. But I do think that the old mantra of, again, it's going to get worse before it gets better. We've turned that corner now. Um, we're seeing that right now with our performance there, with our customers. People are starting to realize, okay, this is coming to an end quickly and there's going to be capacity. There's going to be an improvement. Hopefully it'll be like Cook County three or four years ago. Hopefully that's what three, four or five months away. I don't feel comfortable giving a timeline just yet. Uh, and Wade and Vince P would be the best ones to really give that. So um, that's what I'm seeing in the near future for our customers. Thank you. Um, well, I think uh, all these actions just go to really go to show just how dedicated this team is to um, improving access to information in Cook County um, and the team at Informed Data. Um, and anyone who's in this industry and familiar with Cook County and the problems is realizes the magnitude when news like this breaks. Um, so I really appreciate everyone jumping on really quickly today to talk about this issue and sharing your perspective with us. And thank you everyone for joining me today um, on the Informed Data Podcast. Appreciate it.